chip it, comes off real smooth and nice, hits the green. I was like, okay, that's a pretty good looking chip. And it <laughs> continues to roll down the, the little slant of the green. Oh, and man. it keeps going and going and going. And I'm I'm starting to like kind of jog uh, like next to it. <laughs> Not next to it, but like jog over to get a better view. And next thing I know, I see the ball disappears. I'm like, oh my God, I just hit this chip shot. Nice, so, dude. That's huge. It was sick. The pure joy you're experiencing or talking about, I can only compare to like mini golf and hitting some like stupid long shot that bounces off something and it's still going and I'm freaking out and it goes in. And <laughs> That shot was so nuts. I was screaming a lot for that shot. I would too, bro. Screaming That's awesome. The other team. Golfers, Golfers celebrating. Like soccer, like soccer celebrations. They yeah. slide in their knees and stuff. <laughs> Ruin the green. Welcome to Footy Fellas. Welcome, welcome to Footy Fellas. Go ahead. No, sorry. No, no, okay. I'm sorry. sorry my yeah. bad. I go for it. <sighs> no, no, no. It's all you. It's all you. This I'll time. take it this no, time. No, no, no. Your turn. All right. Your turn. Well, oh, so, <laughs> I'm sorry. Were you going to? Welcome to Footy Fellas. Oh. Coming at you from Chicago and Minnesota. It's like you know it. We're going to be talking soccer. We're going to be talking life, playing games, playing mind games. we got a little something for you going for 200. Whoop, whoop. This episode is brought to you by Crunchies. If you haven't yet, throw us a follow on Instagram or Twitter or YouTube at Footy Fellas Pod. F O O T Y Fellas Pod. We could use we could use some subscriptions, couldn't we? We really could. Yeah, I would take a subscription or two, or three, or three, or a hundred. Make- Ooh, whoa! I'll t- I'll uh, two hundred going and, once, and the man in the back with the going to three hundred subscriptions, eighteen hundred. <sighs> that might be the move to sell subscriptions these days. Is go to an, an auction, auction for a locker and physically sell them <laughs> to people that don't understand how YouTube or the internet works. Right. I mean, I think we've had some parents who did the YouTube who might might think that's how it works and yeah, they could raise their paddles. And that's great because we we take the subscriptions, we take the the views and the love and the sponsorship. I wish you can you can't buy subscriptions, right? Like it's it's physical like, are there bots? Do bots do, is that a thing on YouTube? If we were going to buy subscriptions, I certainly wouldn't talk about it on the pod. <laughs> of I'll, course. I'll leave it at that. No, of course. Of course. I'm just saying hypothetically, so I know not to do that. Yeah. Is that a thing that has been done? It looks like your your finger is on send. What, who, what, what did you write out there? I just want, I, I'm writing out notes for what not to do. That's what's going on. Okay. That's what's going on. I'm about to send it to um, the to FBI. Me, so you to, remind oh, me. Exactly. Icy needs the download. On. So you were saying you were fin- you were finishing up your thought there I, before I rudely cut you off, Eli. You were saying how one acquires. We don't have the money to do it. Okay. But I see. Sorry, I misspoke. We might have the money to do it, but we're not going to do it. But from the sponsorships we've had, I see as as bookkeeper. I know they they usually send you the money, send you the gifts. Do yep. you think we can pull it off? Even though you know we wouldn't do it. You know, we did get paid with shekels and some A's chips last week. We nice. we got a lot of barter material. The cash flow is is questionable, but we could pull it off. We could pull it, we could buy a couple of subscriptions if we were in that business, which we're not. Absolutely not. FBI. 
my FBI man who's looking at me through my computer mm-hmm. camera. I see you. You see me. We're not doing that. Okay. Okay. We're good. Our, our assets are liquid, but liquid from your farms. Right. Liquid from uh, the cider mill. The cider mill and Cheshire. Oh, oh, oh Hillshire. Hillshire. No, no. Hillshire is the actual. Crestle. Or, or the other actual. Crestle. 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 Thank you. Crestle. Think toothpaste meets a hill. That's that's their other slogan. <laughs> there was a bit of international footy, was there not? I think there was. Sure was. There sure was. <laughs> I I will hop right into it. Yeah, do it. They hit us hit us well real real quick before we get into the real the real good good juicy juicy. Yep. That's what that's what I'm calling last week what, today. This is that week we're calling it the real good juicy juicy. Good good juicy juicy. The good juice. I wanted to. I was thinking about international football and why it gets people excited. Obviously, the World Cup is a whole different animal. Yeah, I was thinking about a range of other sports and non-sports competitions that would be more fun if they were taken to an international stage and we watched and enjoyed them with the same fervor. Things like that may or may not may may or may not exist because I haven't looked them up, but like rock paper scissors. Mm. or cooking competitions mm. or driving competitions. So like Formula One? <laughs> like a driving competition. So like, do you think, so are you pretty much putting into question the idea and the and just the great atmosphere of the Olympics? If we did whoa. those activities... Every year, yearly, it would take away from this excellent moment of world unity, as the Olympics likes to be known as. It's a question, food for thought. Right. No, to me, I think we've almost got like a a perfect storm of, well, okay, so backing up. I think what we're describing or hungry for is just already there. Uh, It's called ESPN The Ocho, which (laughs) provides you... Uh, unlimited access to random um, underground sports that you may not give it nearly any any thought or you know um, desired attention. It, it, ESPN the Ocho gives you things that you didn't know you wanted, right? Like advertising, but more so like uh, frisbee golf. It's not called. It's like disc whatever. But does the Ocho do USA Germany Nations League frisbee golf? That's, Nations that's my question. Doesn't do Nations League. Okay. Way behind in the Nations League. So I'm just saying I see a space. I'm just calling it as I see it. Okay. And I was in a weird headspace watching Belgium, uh, England earlier. Mm-hmm. You pronounced that right. Good job. England. <laughs> and I was thinking, why am I watching Belgium versus England in soccer when I could be watching Frisbee golf or rock, paper, scissors? That's all. International. That's what about, have you guys seen the face slapping? <laughs> yes. <laughs> if I mean that could be international, they just, they just don't market it that way. I watch those all the way at, up until as the swing is coming, and then I switch. I don't want. I don't like to see the impact. I don't <laughs> like to see that. I don't like to see that. You know, you're big. You're a big fan of the pageantry, but yeah, you don't like the actual. Yeah, you know, these guys just get knocked out for. It's so silly. I don't get it. But you're a huge MMA WWE guy. <laughs> oh, when that guy yesterday kicked the other guy in the face, oh, and knocked him out, dude, I was all about that. But <laughs> face slapping, I'm half in. I can't do that. Well, okay. To be fair, yes, I'm agreeing to this legitly. 
because that's a word it, in MMA. <laughs> legitimately in MMA <laughs> in MMA both guys are fighting and both like defending and attacking and trying to actually knock each other out it's violent it's vicious however face slapping is hey I'm just gonna stand here and let you just smack my face as hard as you can I'm probably gonna get brain damage break my jaw my face is gonna be ruined it's absurd it, it, there's so much difference like the, this roundhouse kick, if you haven't seen it. Uh, oh, we should, have. Should, we have. Oh, yeah, yeah, right, right. It was just amazing. I mean, it came out of nowhere. The other guy grabbed his leg. You're like, oh, God, what's he going to do now? And he just flying left foot to the chin knocked the guy out. It was, it was violent. I wouldn't like to <laughs> be on the receiving end of that. Definitely probably hurt more than a face slap. But uh, I do enjoy and don't mind seeing that over a face slap. Now that everyone's adrenaline is going properly, let's get into the good, good, juicy, juicy last week today, I see. Yeah, last week today. So I want to give the listeners a little background, Nations League. I'm new to it. It's new to the world. I want to bring all listeners into the mix so that we're all on a level foundation. So it is a biennial international soccer competition. So every two years, created as a means to eliminate international friendlies. The first tournament started September 2018. So this year, 2020, this is the second tournament. There are four leagues. There's A, B, C, and D. And in that rank order, that's the the level. A is better. D is the worst of these leagues. A, B, and C leagues have four groups of four teams. So there's 16 teams in those A, B, C leagues. League D has seven teams. There is promotion and relegation. Group winners are promoted to the next higher league, while each team placing last in their group is relegated to the next lower league. Those obviously don't apply necessarily to A and D, but you get the idea. In the top league, League A, the winner of the four groups, so each winner of those four groups goes to play in the Nations League finals. In those finals, you have two semifinals, a third and fourth place game, and the final to determine who becomes the UEFA Nations League champion. In 2018, Portugal won against the Netherlands. Okay, I hope everyone now has a better understanding of what this Nations League competition is all about. So where we stand right now today, uh, Italy, England, Portugal, and Spain all lead their groups in League A and are so far, those would be the four going to the Nations League finals. Uh, to compete for uh, the championship. Uh, some notable games. England beat Belgium 2-1 today. I would love for Eli or Max to give uh, a little input into that game as well. Italy tied Poland 0-0. Spain beat Switzerland 1-0. And France and Portugal, some heavyweights, tied 0-0 uh, earlier today. So before I move on, Eli, Max, any any uh, noteworthy moments or anything from these games? The uh, the England we caught the England Belgium game for the most part, um, and England had some sus moments, um, but ultimately proved to be the more effective team. Um, uh, I, I think the uh, the initial starting lineup had three right backs um, all playing, which which was a little um, questionable, but it managed to work out in the end, and um, and. Overall, uh, you know, Belgium, I think we were talking about this back and forth uh, 
you know, they're good. They're missing Hazard. Um, and for the most part seem like a very good team still. I think they're, they were at least today, the number one team in the world. They, um, we kind of feel like the next world cup might be like the end of Belgium for a little while, um, before their team really falls off a cliff talent wise, um, as De Bruyne and Hazard start to age out as well as Ardeville. Um, and then for the France, do you have any other thoughts on that? No, no, no. And then the France, um, the France Portugal game was, look, I'm a huge France fan, dude. Ever since the World Cup or right before the World Cup, I just like I love that team. You've always been you're French. You grew up in France. I grew you're up not, in a, it's not I even was, bandwagon. Oh, oh, we oui, we. Oui. That means yes, yes. Um, <laughs> I did, um, and uh, I love. I mean, what I love is seeing Pogba enjoying to play playing soccer and playing well, and like on that pitch when he's got Conte behind him and Griezmann in front of him, it's great and just a fun team to watch. I, watch I watching Mbappe definitely makes you think he's the best player in the world. Because I, I don't watch him enough. I don't watch the French French league enough, or PSG versus usually mediocre competition. Just beat up on them. So watching him for France is very not even refreshing. And you're just in awe most of the time. Every time he gets on the ball and takes players on, especially in the box, he's so quick, speed and uh, technical footwork wise. It's awesome. And Portugal wasn't bad. They 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 did what they kind of did in Euros, uh, in what the 2018 Euro, 2016 Euros, where they just hung around in the game. You know, there was a zero zero tie, and if it had gone to PKs, who knows? Portugal probably could have pulled it off. Um, so they're still effective. But what else is going on in the world? I see. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so the women's Super League, Man U had a good win against Tottenham, one zero. Arsenal dominated Brighton. 5-0. Everton beat West Ham 3-1 and Chelsea beat City 3-1. Arsenal and Everton are now atop the table as the only teams to have won all four of their games this season. Uh, shout out Everton for men's and women's teams being undefeated and having all wins so far. So that's huge for the club. I think Eli, you gave him a shout out last week. I'll give him another one. They deserve it. MLS. Toronto and Philly sit atop the Eastern Conference with 35 and 32 points, respectively. Seattle and Portland are atop the Western Conference with 30 and 27 points, respectively. I don't know about you boys, but I really dislike seeing Portland doing well in the MLS. I don't know. I just don't like Portland, maybe because they're rivals with the MLS or with the MNUFC. Um, and last but not least, we got USL. So in case you missed our awesome highlight yesterday on our Instagram story, uh, you should follow us, Footy Fellas Pod. A good friend of the pod and Charleston Battery Super Striker came into the game and scored a game-winning header in the 101st minute against Charlotte Independence. And that is Arthur Baswa. Another, another friend of the pod, Andrew Tenari, midfielder for New Mexico United, also came away with a win yesterday, 1-0 against San Antonio. So congrats, Arthur and Andrew. And that's all I got for last week today. Love to see it. Huge. Those are our boys. Boys. Arthur Andrew. We knew we only bring people on the pod that are possible future champions in whatever they're doing. You could spin zone. You could say anyone who comes on the pod is anointed and then thereby goes on to do great things. Cause cause and effect. Look at- Are we the chicken? Are they the egg? Right. Are they an egg? Are we a championship trophy? Are we the shell- of that, the egg of the egg shell and they join us in the egg and then we and then we chip away at the shell and we let them emerge and grow into their potential right look at harry ship he's now 
going off and doing grad school stuff. Probably if we didn't get him potentially coming onto the pod, would he have quit? Retired? I don't think so. No one will know. No one will ever know. The only thing that people will know after listening to this episode is a little bit more about our sponsor today. I want to thank all of our sponsors as always for making this possible. We're going to talk some very specific, uh, specific recent news and thoughts about Argentina and soccer in Argentina and talent in Argentina, which it was interesting for all of us to read about and we're excited to chat about with each other. So stick around for that. We'll be right back. Start your day off right with a bite of crunchies. I bet you're hungry when you wake up like us. Good news for you. America runs on crunchies. Lunch comes around and you're feeling like a real big meal, real hunk of meal. Crunchies. Eat fresh. Not enough and need a pre-dinner snack? Mm, stomach's rumbling. Crunchies. For the bold. We even eat crunchies for dinner. They're great. You sit on your couch after dinner watching The Masked Singer. Cuddled up, you got a pillow, and you think, wow, that's really the snack that smiles back, crunchies. Your head hits the pillow, and you think about all the great food you ate today. Trust crunchies for the rest of your life. I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this right now, okay? Right off the bat. Eye to eye, man to man, okay? Originality doesn't exist. Authenticity, though. Authenticity does. And that, my friend, was beautiful. All right? A lot of haters are going to come back and say, oh, you stole literally all of those things that you said from other... At No. You think Crunchy stole those? Stole what? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that was an authentic ad. That was beautiful. And time I, out. I, yeah, okay. T- time out, time out, time out. What am I eating with Crunchies? Is it a potato? <laughs> is this a... Is it corn? <laughs> What is crunchies? I, I am confused. I'm sorry. It's an idea, I see. So crunch on that. Yeah. <laughs> it does sound like they wanted to just snack on this a little bit, chew it, think about it, and then get back to them. It's not really a thing you eat. It's a movement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, Gen Z. All right, dude. It, it, look, crunchies. When you said the snack that smiles back, the first thing I thought of it are those smiley face French fries I used to get in middle school. You guys, are, you guys know about those? Those are. I'm pretty sure those are crunchies. Uh, those what? Good, those are those crunchies. Are all, of the con- crunchy umbrella, I'd imagine. Yeah, there's a lot of. It oh, it's like a big conglomerate. Like, they do a it's lot. Like Unilever. <laughs> it's a. It's a super pack, actually. <laughs> they've made. That's the one thing that they've been in the news for. They probably wouldn't want to be in the news for recently. Right. Is their political comments? <laughs> right. It's really. They're all just. It, some. They've been. They've been uh, poo-pooed for using quote unquote other slogans from other campaigns but really again originality does not exist everyone's done the same thing it's authenticity that's all that matters um yeah i thought i was thinking it was like i thought it was a cereal at first i think it's still a cereal in my head but i don't know what is it potatoes is it little potatoes is it granola i don't know what you're looking at me for i just read the ad we get the ad (laughs) they pay icy money or something he says they do and we just read the ad they did give us a lot. You know, we were talking earlier that this could be the money that we, you know, finally throw our first company-wide event where we fly. I fly down, you fly up. Who? It doesn't matter. We have a lot of crunchy dollars. So, you know, let's uh, 
let's keep talking up crunchies because uh they keep giving us the super pack money <laughs> we're gonna be rolling if i'm not mistaken I, I believe we we did a little fiscal uh meeting roundup pull up earlier and, and you had mentioned we're we're very cash poor but we're we're barter high we're barter saturated yeah that, yep, that was yes cor- assets. correct correct that was prior to actually this crunchy check hitting me in the face right now uh nice. carrier pigeon just dropped it off <laughs> in my lap um and pff, let me tell you a lot of zeros a lot of Comments. Is there anything before in the fact, can we only just zero. Can we check, check the topic before the yeah. zeros? I've got I've had that happen to me before and it's super embarrassing at the bank. And they go, okay, first of all, you don't have a signature. Second of all, is that a Tony the Tiger sticker? It wasn't even a signature. Someone put a sticker on it uh, and said, Hey, take this to the bank, kid. Yeah. I bring it to the bank. They go, first of all, you don't even have an account here. Second of all, you're six. Third of all, <laughs> this is a sticker and a bunch of zeros. How'd they know your age? <laughs> that's my one sorry i'm sorry that's the one thing that's I took the away. only question oh man we got we got lost i'm so flustered because crunchies has got us snacking on cha-chings taking it all the way to the bank I'm, i've never had a cha-ching i'm gonna need you to walk me through that one that's crunchies snack that smiles back baby america runs on them <laughs> all right to our main topic we're talking argentina we're talking argentina and we are talking a New York Times article specifically that spoke to the talent pool and why the Argentinian talent pool is drying up. It compared Argentina to Brazil, to a lot of other countries around the world. And I think we personally too, we've noticed recently, you don't see as many players. You see Aguero maybe on Man City tearing it up. Obviously Messi represents the country and has for the last 10 years. Is that part of the problem? We'll get to that. Curious Jones, you you shared the article. It's been on our minds. What were your first impressions reading the article? Well, I feel like there's, you know, you kind of got to hit some of the, the the major points that the article posits about Argentina's situ Argentina Argentina's situation <clears throat> and um, and where they've been relative to uh, you know previous years and decades. Argentina, for those, well, backing up, the article is called a deep pool of Argentine talent is drying up. Why? By Rory Smith. And if you have a subscription or you haven't used up your uh, allowance for the month, I would check up, uh, check out the, the article. Nice, quick read. Essentially details how Argentina used to be a hotbed, used to be, and uh, of talent that would be exported straight out to European super clubs all over, all over Europe. I'm going to say the world, but it's, they're all in Europe. And, um, and over the years, that seemingly, um, um, uh, limitless pool has, has suddenly dried up. You had waves of talent that were going over such as, uh, Walter Samuel, Esteban Cambiaso and Pablo Aymar. You had another wave shortly after with Berdiso and Maxi Rodriguez and Javier Saviola. And then you had another wave after that with Fernando Gago, Zabaleta, Messi, of course, and then Di Maria. There's there was a nice pattern there. Now we've hit this this wall where it seems that there are some Argentinian talents bubbling up here and there, but they aren't nearly as impactful as they once were. I think in the article it details how the actual overall numbers have dwindled in relative leagues to where they were like ten years ago. 
um, and a couple big points, and I'm relying on you guys to think of others that I may have missed, were that Argentina is a little more restrictive with how scouts can come and view games. In Brazil, which is probably their biggest comparison, as it is a South American country slash the other really big superpower there. And soccer crazy. And soccer crazy, absolutely. They allow scouts freely to come to games. They accommodate them. That is Brazil. And really find ways to pull in and allow them to see their players and market them a lot easier. Whereas in Argentina, they haven't been nearly as forthcoming and instead have made it a bit of a barrier for people to come and view talent. There's also the issue of Argentina's just league structure and ability to develop teams hasn't been nearly as good as Brazil. And so you have um, a, a net situation where Brazil's league is just viewed as a better league, top to bottom, deeper. Whereas Argentina has arguably better teams at the top, but it falls off very quickly. And so there isn't as much talent. If you're a scout, you might just go to one of those big league, big teams, and that's about it. You're not going to look at other places. The other big note for me that, that I took away was analytics were becoming a huge thing. And so now teams don't have to necessarily uh, go and view all of these players to, to sort out who they like. Instead, they're able to look at stats that might point out one or two things. One being that, all right, a lot of the Argentinian teams aren't worth our time. Or two, these Argentinian teams come at a premium. It costs more money to buy a player from Argentina or Brazil than perhaps Colombia or Uruguay or Chile. And so Ecuador. So instead, scouts are then going to those places and plucking the analytical data that pulls it out. All of those big points, to me, um, help around an idea of what is going on down there. Great summary, Jones. The one thing I would say or just add to is I don't I think that the exposure of Argentinian players to scouts is less of Argentinian clubs purposefully stopping scouts and preventing them from from seeing their players. And correct me if I'm wrong, but it, the article I feel like described more an ineptitude and just a lack of even putting effort towards this is something that we should do. Uh for an ex- example from the article, there were a couple scouts going down to watch um, players at a club, and usually the scouts were accustomed to being given tickets to sit in viewable or in, in nice seat, you know, nicer seats where you could see the pitch, the whole pitch, and see the player very um, unobstructed. And the scouts, however, you know, never heard back from the club and ended up having to buy their own tickets. And then they sat in the fan section, which they couldn't see the field very well. And it led to, you know, it's a going through those, that step, that process of it's not as easy as it should be, especially for a scout who's trying to, you know, really expose this, this player, these players to the world stage. Um, it's an organizational, seems more like a club, an Argentinian club organizational issue um, not something that they're purposely deterring, but something that they need to reemphasize and and recalibrate their actions around uh, kind of that side of things. That's one great example of how Argentina is falling behind the times more than anything, not understanding the importance of scouts coming in or at, on a countrywide scale, putting an emphasis on that 
the analytics piece was the, the biggest place where that's just changed the game. And I guess that's not a direct fault of Argentina, or I don't know how they would respond to that directly now that there's just a more global game and clubs and their analytics departments can sit on their computer and watch players from the smaller countries you mentioned, Jones, not have to rely on Argentina and Brazil because those are the places to get talent and no one else is, is pumping out that talent. Now they can just find it more easily. So I don't know if Argentina can solve for that. But the example you just provided, I see, it does feel like they are not doing everything they can. They're not potentially recognizing the situation they're in or, or giving the full gravity to it. Maybe they don't see it as a as big of an issue. Maybe they do think they have young talent coming up in the ranks right now that's about to surprise everyone and find its way into England and uh, France and La Liga and some of these top leagues. But that was the thesis of the article at the end, coming back to Argentina hasn't stopped sourcing the players. It's not that they don't have the talent. It's just that Europe doesn't need them as much. And so Argentina needs to be crafty about finding a way to fit within the new game and the new narrative of data. If you care about data, great. Let's send you data. Let's bring in the scouts and send out, here's this player. Here's tactically what he's doing really well to get their country back to the national international stage. Sorry. That, that, that end point. That's a really important piece. Thank you. Is indeed, you know, Argentina as well as South American players used to be brought in to be the quote unquote magicians. The people with the twinkle toes, great technical ability that would come in and unlock other teams. They would come in and play that um, Joga Bonito style that helped uh, a team bring an X factor that the other team could not understand. This was really, this is quite popular actually in Italy, for example, where they, um, you had players like Kaká that were coming in um, or Pato or um, I'm blanking on his name. But, but they, uh, Adriano, where they brought in guys who, all Brazilian, who, you know, were not as defensively rigorous and strategic as that league purports. And so they came in and their role was to find the gray space, find the area and break it down. But what we're seeing now in Europe is that there's more attention to actual footwork and technical ability such that the demand exactly, like, isn't as necessary anymore. And instead what we start to see is um, enforcers being brought over from South America uh, to the international. I love this theme of international stuff, but the, uh, there was coma ball games, South American cup games that were going on. And if you watch any of those teams play each other, whether it's Uruguay and Chile or Argentina, and Brazil, it is so physical, really physical. It is, games. it is nasty. They are, they are not holding back. And it's that type of attitude that you can't necessarily just, you know, create that kind of that, 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 that's fostered out of a culture. It's, it's fostered out of some intangible abilities that we thought, or at least in Europe, they really thought technical ability was a thing that would, you know, brought up in the favelas. You only learn that creativity there, but it seems like there is that talent seems to be bubbling elsewhere. They've made it. In other words, I think the line is literally they've manufactured technical ability. Like they're doing that and they're mass producing that in Europe. But what they don't have is those, those hard, hard enforcers who are going to run around and crush a dude. You know, there are physical guys. Europe is physical, but now you have this preponderance of enforcers that are now being brought over center defensive mids, 
who are crushing people. I see. Do you think that I'm throwing this to you because I know Pulisic is one of your boys. You've talked about a bit, although I know not too hot for fantasy because he's been, he's laboring his injury so far. So I assume he's still in your good graces. I'm curious whether you guys think where you think U S talent fits into this, the analytics landscape changing and whether that's part of the reason or countries like Argentina that have been so dominant falling off, whether that's part of the reason that we have seen more U.S. talent play abroad more recently and get those those big signings. Yeah, I'm going to make a point here that is probably refuted in the facts of, of who we've seen move over to Europe as, as players. And, you know, initially what I'm going to say is if, if Europe – is looking for aggressive players and kind of these enforcers. I feel like the U.S. the U.S. Uh, structure, the U.S. teams, players coming from the U.S. are they fit that mold quite well. I know it feels like the American football player works extremely hard and is aggressive, will not shy away from contact. And look, if if that's what Europe is starting to look for, that's really good for American talent. Now, I say this, knowing that, you know, Pulisic works hard. He's not the biggest guy. He's more of a creative player. Um, same with uh, the other, you know, Juventus, RB Leipzig, Babbitt. Yes. Yeah. Yes. The, and so they, uh, to me, they're not enforcer types. Uh, they are more creative um, attacking players. So, right. I say that it doesn't really hold up with the players that we've uh, exported, but I, I do overall think it's good for American talent to to see maybe a dwindling of, of South American and Argentinian players getting getting sent over to European leagues. I do think from a tech point of view, um, I think that you know we like to think of, of this country having pretty good tech, um, kind of the high tech capital. Of, of the world. So I'm, I'm hoping that analytics, and I think a lot of us are obsessed with numbers and, and the analytics and the tech behind sports, that that'll really be uh, good for American players. That's a great call. Going back to the first piece, I think it's super interesting. I'm going to throw it to you, Jones. I feel like I wonder, I'm wondering if we're 10, 15, 20 years behind on the technical piece, that finally we're shifting as a country to care more about the technical because we have always been so that's a stereotype is that Americans are just physical players. They'll throw their body around. But like I see you called out a lot of the recent signings, including Aronson on the union, who's now moving overseas and a lot of other players that are getting scouted are skillers and they're technical and they're, they know what they're doing. They're great passing the ball to the middle, you know, great technique. Are we behind? We're finally catching up and now South America is moving on to change their ways. What do you think? Well, I think the when we're talking like the, the whole question, this this nicely dovetails into well, you know, when will um, U.S. men's national team actually be a competitive force on the global stage? What is wrong with our current talent and the way it's grown here, and why can we not catch up? Th- that line of questioning is like assuming okay, we are catching up. We are, and you can argue that. Yeah, like theoretically we are. If we have now, I think it's like eight maybe guys who are all on very competitive teams in the Champions League, you know, tournament coming up, uh, uh, 
tournament. What am I saying? I sound like a novice. It sounds like someone that's been watching the NBA finals too much. Yeah. Which is great. Which is great. <laughs> which is honestly just so exciting. <laughs> and we'll, we'll come back to that. Don't worry guys. We'll come back to that. Um, uh, I, I do, I do think that there's a couple things going on. I don't have a straight up answer, but it does feel like as nations like very wealthy ones, like the U S start to grow their talent, that's obviously going to eat up market space. And so therefore that's going to push other nations out of the way. Do I think that Argentina and Brazil are finding a new um, way to sell their product that will help them reinvigorate it? And so they're thinking what needs to be necessary, what's in the future? Um, Are they ahead of the curve? I I don't think so. Because I think, I think South American soccer has always been this aggressive. It's just not what they've been selling before. I think their players have always been super, um, every game is do or die. And if we were to look at highlights now and look at highlights a decade ago, if that's a fair window, I think we would see the same type of intensity coming from the Argentina leagues um, or in the Brazilian leagues. Um, If you guys look up highlights like I do of these young players who United are interested in all that stupid stuff that just takes away too much of my time. It's just you. It's <laughs> the those those games. The first thing I always think of when I'm watching them. When I'm watching Brazil, it's wow. Like there's not a lot of discipline. They're doing a lot of cool things, and um, they're hitting each other pretty hard. You watch Argentina; those guys fly through each other. You watch Uruguay; those guys fly through each other. I I think that's just that is very much a cultural um, piece of the game, and I don't think I think they they when they think of soccer. They think this is this is do or die. This is everything. Winning a game means so much to me and my team and my family. You know, you put everything on the line. You don't hold back. This is a warrior sport. U.S. It's a luxury sport. We're not going to have that kind of intensity. Um, so, are they ahead of the curve? Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe they're finding what their niche is in the brand in the marketplace. Um, but it, I, I don't think it's necessarily a pivot. I think it's always been there. Bringing it back to Argentina, the problem they're facing right now. Final question to both of you here. Do you think that similar to on Barcelona, let's hear a hint for where I'm going. Do you think Messi has had the same effect on the Argentinian national team? And this, this, is, this is a juicy one, but I'm going to hold you to like 30 seconds or a minute on whether you each think Messi has stunted the growth of the Argentinian national team because he's such a big player, because everyone feels that he needs to be the guy. He needs to be the one making things happen. Do you think that's limited growth for this for soccer in the whole country, basically? Yeah, that's a good question. And I think most players, we wouldn't, you know, even... Yeah, that question is so absurd that... It sounds right? so absurd. But, but <laughs> no, Messi, call me out. Call no, me no, out. no, no, no. It, it sounds really absurd, right? But Messi is just, he's that player. He's, he is the best in the entire world. Maybe history of the game. And that's the only reason why we can ask this question. And I do think, yes, in, in some way, uh, one, he does not play as well for Argentina as he does for Barcelona. That's another thing we can talk about, maybe another episode. But second, I, I do think and agree with your analysis of if everything has to go through him, he is our star. I mean, it's Lionel Messi. Um, if he's not doing things right, then our team's not going to 
not going to do well. The, the whole mentality of putting him kind of at the forefront, like him before the team, uh, I think it is, is hurting Argentinian soccer players. Um, I, just the growth, you know, and maybe it's, you know, it's not giving certain players opportunity to, to be on the pitch. You know, uh, yes, I think Messi is good enough to keep playing on the team. Absolutely. Um, but what, at what point is it, you know, he's that really expensive player that all the resources are going to and the team doesn't pivot those resources elsewhere to younger talent. Um, and that that's a fine line. I don't think we've hit that yet. But it's a long-winded answer. Yes, I do think that Messi does suck some of the energy and resources away from developing younger talent who will, who would then be exported to Europe and other really good uh, leagues. I think... I think IC has a good, that's a good answer for like, like there's like different levels to uh, bubbling talent. There's like the mid, you know, like, you know, adult, like a teenage kind of talent. And then there's kids who are young and watching and six and learning and starting to figure out if they like the sport. And I would argue, you know, look at, look at Portugal, look at, look at Ronaldo, who if anything is even less, what would appear on paper, a team player than Messi is. Um, and you would argue definitively that Portugal has a ton of talent that is starting to bubble up right now. They're almost, I would argue if Joe Felix really starts to pop up and becomes a thing, they, they could be on the cusp of a golden generation. That might be bold. I think they need a center back or two. Ruben Diaz isn't bad. I'm rambling, but what I do think, and I'm, and I'm optimistic here is whenever you have a nation that has a idol like this, who is inspiring the youth to come out and love the sport and love the country. I would put money down that there are hundreds of hundreds of thousands of young kids in Argentina who've grown up watching and worshiping this guy and thinking themselves, wow, I can do that. I've seen him. I can do that now and have a deeper belief in themselves that may help them actually catapult into into a um, position where they can be on the global stage again and, and, and dominate. So I'm optimistic. I feel like, yes, it, he, they both, like Portugal and Argentina didn't win a World Cup anytime recently. And that may be because the guys they had on it were too big. But I'm optimistic that they've inspired a, a new wave. Just not here yet. The article plugs in a conversation with the manager with uh, Argentinian manager, the 15, 16, 17-year-old age group. So I think they're they're thinking and hoping the same as you, Jones. Do you want to plug the article one more time? I don't have the title up in front of me. I know you don't either, but... Uh, the article is A Deep Pool of Argentine Talent is Drying Up Why by Rory Smith. Rory Smith. Check it out. Really interesting. And hopefully we've added a couple of talking points that will make it even more interesting as you ingest that can head to our last and everyone's favorite and critically acclaimed and footy fellas uh patented Mm -hmm. game Game of devil's advocate yep welcome ladies and gentlemen um today uh, as alluded to previously the um theme for devil's advocate is nba playoff edition because as we both know um this series thus far has been absolutely mouth-watering between the heat and the lakers um, and we really wanted to go all seven. Um, so I figured we should do a little game of devil's advocate to get this out of our system. So Eli, I'm going to start with you real quick. All right. Um, I'm going to keep this real quick. Yeah. We'll see about that. 
I might just force you to keep talking. All right, devil. Advocate. All right. Ready? Mm-hmm. NBA Finals, the NBA Finals, would be better off without LeBron James. That guy is overrated. That's like a five-second answer. So I need to argue that it's better with LeBron James. Yeah. that's I, I'm not even going to – what? As he's, he's a superstar. He gets everyone hyped, even if you're a fan or you're not a fan. First of all, he's been in the last 10 – not the last. He missed one. He's been basically in 10 finals in a row, which on a personal level is probably one of the most impressive accomplishments in all of sports, male or female. That's just amazing. Um, but yeah, he just gets the people going. It wouldn't be more exciting without him. All right. That's weird. Didn't think that would happen. Um, winter. Can't wait for this bubble to end. We need fans physically back in the arena stat. No, disagree. I think that we've seen higher competition without fans. I also, I also see some similarities on the soccer end, uh, but this is basketball specific question. Players do not like fans in their face being the antagonists uh, to their uh, to their style of play, to their play. So they do play better without fans. Simple as that. Appreciate that. That was a really thoughtful answer. And <laughs> I thank you for taking the time to, to, to give that to me. Eli, I'm going to give you one just because, you know, I have, have to, to right? Yeah, yeah. Um, the Premier League has nothing to learn or gain from the NBA. Completely different sports and leagues. I'd argue the production quality of the NBA, piggybacking off of what IC just said, has been really high. And not that the Premier League has been slacking, but... I think one thing they could add, I'll keep it quick because I have 10 seconds left, do a video board, do a big video board, invite me, invite a couple of my friends, we'll make it rowdy. We'll make give you good TV, people feel like there's fans there, and it'll be more exciting than what you've done so far. And you was the Premier League? Is that what you were, you were talking directly to their Premier League? Yeah, I assume the Premier League is listening. Yeah, Mr. Premier League, or Mrs., or Miss. I'm not going to judge. Or none of those? None of them. Yeah. Z. Um, uh, winter, let's round it up. The heat winning doesn't mean a thing. Big three teams will forever be in vogue. Yes. I do think that the Miami heat winning will actually change the idea of big three being the, the key to unlocking success in the league. I think that, um, yeah, it actually would be really good for the team to do to win and show that, uh, uh, a big three on a, on a team is not. Uh, always needed and that it's not the formula to the league. Thanks for that devil's advocate getting us in the mood for the NBA finals and hopefully a heat comeback for all you heat fans out there. I've always been a heat fan, big Jimmy Butler fan. Go heat. It's looking Another. pretty bad right now for them. Yeah. They've been exciting games so far, but uh, it Two looks like their minutes. time is about to come to an end. <laughs> yep. So, on that note, now that we're all a little sad about it, let's uh, let's call this. Let's call this one as, as we see it, you know? Let's call this one as we see it. It's been good. It's been nice. It's been a little tasty mm, for, for a part in the middle there. I was hungry. Nice crunchies. <laughs> and we'll keep it tasty. Keep it, keep it classy. If you've listened this far, if you really are sticking with us this dang far. We've got free money for you, okay? Free money. Go to our YouTube, hit subscribe. There's a chance, pretty small, that uh-huh. you win a lot of money. A ton of money. You just need to subscribe now. The code, the code is icy. Hit him with the code. 
Z five six seven dollars. Okay, that's our that's our Among or? Us code. That's our Among <laughs> Us code. But oh. Also the YouTube code. Also the YouTube code. Mm-hmm. Thanks, I see. So you type that into its HTTP colon forward slash YouTube dot is, is that edu? dot com slash and then it's the code. Is that what you put in? Wait, edu or it's org? I've been doing gov. What? What did your FBI agent? Oh, I got use? dot en. The dot my... dot Brazil. We'll figure that out and give you the right answer next time. It's the smoothest. Footy fellas pod on YouTube. We'd appreciate a subscribe and a like and a comment. And we'll be back next week. See you guys. See you next week. That's the problem with today's game. Everybody's got a big three. You say big three, I don't even know what team you're talking about. (laughs) Were you talking big three players or big three teams? 